I like cute clothes. I like having stylish outfits and I hate shopping. Armoire makes getting dressed easier. Armoire is a clothing rental membership option. And Janet and I recently have both tried it out. And you guys, it is so much fun. You go to their website, you get to take a little quick style quiz, takes five minutes, and then you get presented a list of beautiful clothing, pictures, wonderful clothes that you can pick out and get delivered to your house for you to try and wear in the comfort of your own home without going out and determine what looks cute, put together outfits without investing a ton of money. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off your first month. That is up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash envoys. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E, dot style slash envoys to get 50% off your first month and never have to worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. Welcome to On Boys Parenting Podcast, the podcast that explores and explains boy behavior. We are your co-hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net and Janet Allison, founder of boysalive.com. Oh, dear listeners, we talk about a lot of serious topics on this show, body image, emotional health, raising caring, confident men. Today, we're going to lighten it up a little bit, maybe just for our own mental health. You are going to love this conversation and be ready to laugh a little bit and put some of your cares aside. We will get to this very fun conversation after this message about my co-host, Amazing Building Boys Bulletin. I got to tell you about this because it is the first email I open every single Monday morning. Jen has created the Building Boys Bulletin, which you can find the subscription button at her website, buildingboys.net, for such a low price. Really, it's crazy low. You get an email curated by Jen every single week. She combs through the news, she combs through the media, and she brings you exactly the articles that you need to know so that you are fully informed about the issues surrounding raising boys, about their health issues, their mental health issues, and on and on. Go to buildingboys.net and subscribe and you will be amazed at the information arriving every Monday morning. Now, on to our conversation with much laughter with our guests. We talk about a lot of serious topics here at On Boys. Boys' body image, mental health, raising, caring, confident men. And while we'll no doubt touch on some serious topics today, we're also going to lighten things up a bit for our own mental health. Our guest today believes that when we are willing to admit that none of us actually know what we're doing, that there is no magic answer or instruction manual when it comes to parenting, and that every kid is different, well, then the only solution is to march forward being who we are and raising kids 
who are who they are. In her newest book, she offers what she calls unfiltered advice on how to raise awesome kids. It is definitely unfiltered, and yet underlying all of the humor, she takes on the serious topics of parenting too. And as she says, she makes parents laugh because laughing is a hell of a lot better than crying. Welcome, Karen Alpert. Thank you so much for having me. So good to have you. Your latest book, because you have others, but your latest mm -hmm. book is Mamas Don't Let Your Babies Grow Up to Be A-Holes. Yes. <laughs> A-Holes is kind of a theme for you. <laughs> the first book and the last book, yes. <laughs> I probably should have kept it for the middle book because it was there. So <laughs> <laughs> It's in the cover. It's inside. Yes. So you're the mama of two kids, Holden and Zoe, and they feature prominently in this book. And as we were talking yep. about before we started, it's like they're getting older and it's a little harder to feature some of the things they do. But um they definitely play a prominent role in this book. And I love how you include conversations with them word for word. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's all from my memory. So it's so I so I've never paused exactly, exactly right. But that's pretty much people ask if I made that up. I'm like, I couldn't make that up if I tried. <laughs> I'm not that creative. Well, I think you're pretty creative because your book is Thanks. a riot. It's very Thank fun you. to read. And listeners, I'll tell you, it's an easy book to pick up because you can open it to any mm -hmm. page and just be like, oh, seriously, birthday parties. Oh, now we're talking about ikea cups and mm -hmm. you're gonna have to explain some of this karen <laughs> yeah yeah i mean people ask me if they should read the books in order and i'm like it really doesn't matter i mean you can read not the pages in order you could read it from back to front like, <laughs> i tried to write um i tried i know that moms have very little time to read and we're we're having enough time have, having enough trouble getting showering in much less <laughs> reading a book so um I try and make things really short and palatable so no chapter is longer than like four pages and then there's even things that are you know two lines long that you could just read you know while you're peeing for two seconds it's the perfect book to keep in the bathroom and I mean that is very high praise because I get <laughs> a lot of reading done in there <laughs> right it's like the only place we can lock ourselves away and, and find some peace and quiet yeah, sometimes absolutely. and not even that sometimes <laughs> no but it's it's like very socially permissible to ignore the pounding on the door while you're sitting on the toilet right like that's if there's right. any time where you feel like you can let the mom guilt go that should be it that's right and you just watch their little fingers under the door and think please don't <laughs> I hope I locked it <laughs> and then the dog and the cat too right yes everyone and my husband <laughs> like, the mailman comes in. I'm like, yep, come on in. Nice. I love you in the title of the book right away. Like you talk to parents deepest fear, especially, you know, our audience is parents of boys. We're all secretly terrified that we're going to raise an asshole. Yep. You see it on the news constantly. Like, I, I mean, obviously they're not going to show the great stuff on the news usually because it's not as interesting and fun to watch. But especially over the past, I'd say five or six years, we've seen a lot of that coming out. And it is, it is definitely one of my big fears. I, I don't want to raise a kid that all the sexting that goes on and the, and the scary stuff and the male chauvinism and racism. And I'm trying so hard to teach my kids. So that stuff, it just goes away and isn't a part of their lives. I have to ask you this question because as a fellow parenting writer, you know, one of the tricky things is you're working on this book. You have a contract for a book that is 
how to not raise an a-hole, right? <laughs> Part of you has to be terrified that your kid is going to do something that, that like he, he or she lands on the news for doing like the worst <laughs> possible thing that you never imagined right before the book comes out. <laughs> right, right. I mean, I actually said in the book, I think if they, if they grow up to be serial killers or drug dealers, like come back and ask for a refund. <laughs> but you know I mean there's no guarantees I feel like I start off the book by saying babies are a-holes that's just the way they're born like that's that is it like they have to scream and cry when they're hungry there's nothing else they can do to make that happen to get to to let you know that they need food but it is our job as parents we have 18 years to kind of like get that a-holiness out of them before we send them off into the world and and you're still going to be their parents so even when they're 40, like you're still their parent and you still have to be hopefully proud of what they do. So it is your job to send them out into the world in the best way possible. You know, um, I don't have a 40 year old yet. Janet, your girls are in their thirties. So you can speak to this too, but having kids in their twenties, I feel like I'm still working on this. Like it is a constant refining, shall we say. My 30 man, I'm out. Like I just support <laughs> from, a, from a distance. They're, they're doing their thing. Fortunately, they are not a-holes and they are contributing members of society. So I, so I'm, mine are contributing members of society, but there are these flashes of a-holiness, <laughs> I will say. <laughs> Emphasis on the A and not the holiness. <laughs> well, let's check back when they're 30, Jen. Okay. You know, okay. they still got, they still got some years to go to mature a little bit. We all have a little a-hole in us sometimes. Well, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll definitely admit that for sure. Mm -hmm. I just love in the book that you, you've got letters to your kids, you've got lists, you've got charts, you've got diagrams. It is so <laughs> creative in that way. I've been a writer and I love when you can take text and just make it unexpected and you've got the dialogues of your kids. So it's really fun to pick up. And embedded in the humor are such important lessons. I'm thinking of the one around bullying, bullies. Can you speak to that one? That was a good one. Yeah, dear sure. Kid, Thank you. Dear, dear kid who punched Holden. We'll just, right. that's, that's the let, the beginning of the letter. <laughs> yeah. I mean, bullying is, is a very interesting topic because I feel like when my kids were younger for a very long time, all through elementary school, we ta taught them you you don't push bullies away. You embrace them. You're kind to them. You you try and be as nice as you can to them and hope that it like makes a better difference in their lives um, and a better difference in your relationship. And when kids at school, whether they're bullies or just behavioral problems, the if they get a lot of negative feedback, it's not going to be a good thing for that kid. And I like to think that my children will... I mean, they don't have to go up and give them a hug, literally, especially these days with COVID, but, um, <laughs> but, but definitely like a smile, flash them a smile in the hallway. I don't care if they punch you. I don't care if they stole your stuff from your locker, send them a smile. And I promise that that's going to create a better outcome than, than sending them a frown or being angry at them or throwing mean words at them. Mm -hmm. Now that the kids are getting a little older, especially my daughter, who's in junior high, while I want her to be kind to bullies and nice to them, in some ways, I want her to avoid them a little bit. Um, <laughs> I don't want her to make herself a target. Yeah. And so that's changing. I don't think in this book, she was still, how old was she? Nine and maybe 10, maybe 10 a little bit. So she was mm -hmm. still in elementary school. 
But now that she's in sixth grade, we are, we're not taking a new approach. We're still saying be as kind as you can. And avoid. But you don't have to befriend them. <laughs> and that all that wisdom is embedded in this letter that's just pretty darn funny. Just saying. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. What was your favorite part of the book to write about? Oh, my favorite part of the book. That's an interesting question. I've never, I really haven't even thought about that. You know, it's funny when I write, you know, it takes a really long time to write a book and I don't have a good memory. So, <laughs> so sometimes I go back and read my stuff and I'm like, I don't even remember this. Like, I don't even remember writing this. I don't remember this chapter at all. And I get, there are certain ones that make me feel really good that I wrote about, but I, like, there's one that I wrote about Holden. He was young and we were on a vacation in Florida and I was wearing a bathing suit and he said something to me about my, my thighs were fat. And I mean, like, that's like a stab to the heart for me because like, right? yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Jen almost no just spit out her coffee, everybody. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I'm a pear shape. We all know that. <laughs> and, and, you know, you grew up your whole life, especially as a, as a girl, you grew up your whole life, not just finding flaws in yourself that aren't there, but, but even being told them. And it's really hurtful and hard. And I wrote a very short chapter. I think it's only like a page. It was Holden saying to me that you have fat thighs. And I saw it as an opportunity to teach him, don't say that. And you just said that to your mom, that's okay. Like, I know it, I'm 40 something years old, I can handle it. But I have a distinct memory of being on the bus when I was a kid and the boys on the bus designed the perfect woman. And they took body parts from all the girls on the bus and all the girls in the grade and they designed this perfect woman. And I truly, I do not think that a single one of those boys knew what they were doing was hurtful. Um, I, don't, I don't think they did it in a bad way. I think the way they were doing it, they thought that they were like creating the perfect woman and like picking our body parts in good ways. Um, <laughs> what it ended up doing was it ended up telling four girls, we don't like your forehead as much and we're going to pick Shannon's forehead instead. And I remember sitting there on that bus and listening so closely to see what they said about me. And it was a really, really hard thing for, I'm sure every girl sitting around that on the bus is still scarred by that today. I taught Holden that day when he said, my thighs are fat. I taught him like, okay, I'm your mom. I can take it, but you really can't say that. And the things that you say about women, to women, to girls has a long lasting effect. And I don't know if he got it. He's young. He was really young at the time, but I try and reinforce it you know, mm -hmm. every, every opportunity I get. And that was a particularly strong opportunity I had. <laughs> That's one, one. I mean, there's lots the of things in the book that I love. But. The fact that you were able to seize that moment is kind of amazing to me because so often in parenting, and then especially, you know, your book is funny. You're a funny person. I don't think of those things until, you know, eight hours later when I'm randomly <laughs> alone. <laughs> and I know it's never too late. Like you could, if you didn't think of it in the moment, for instance, you could go to your son later and say, Hey, I've been thinking about this. This really, this really bothers me, but there's power to seizing those moments when they do present themselves. So true. And I'm, and I am a parent who strongly believes in coming back to moments. If I have a better answer later on. There is one moment in the book where Zoe, there was a girl at school who was calling her clothing choices weird. And I, at the moment, I was like, I don't know, remember what my answer to her, it was, it, the, the stories in the book. I don't remember what my answer in the moment was, but I walked away and I think days later, I was sitting at a traffic light in my car and the right answer came to me. And I made sure to bring it to her and tell her, you know, why weird is good. And I listed off like a long list of celebrities that are weird and like why they're awesome. So I, ha I had a better answer later on and that's okay. Like that's, that's totally okay. I mean, the same thing happened. You mentioned the Ikea cup story earlier. 
the Ikea cup story is a story about judging what's on the inside of people, not the outside of people. And, and, and it's about teaching our kids not to be racist. And, and I do believe, I don't think children are born racist, but I think we have to make a conscious effort to make sure that they stay not racist and that they're anti-racist and they, and they understand that concept because it's a difficult concept for children to, to grasp. And I had those Ikea cups and I actually gave Holden two drinks to choose from. And one was, I think, a pink cup and there was no way he was going to pick the pink cup, but the pink cup was the one that had the lemonade in it. And I gave him, I think the other cup was a, I don't know. Green. green. Oh, no, I'm sorry. The pink cup was, had, did not have the lemonade. The green cup had oh. the lemonade in it. The good, oh, yeah. The, no, no, no. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. The pink cup had the pink, the pink cup had cup the lemonade. Had the had lemonade. The good, it was a good yeah. one because I knew he wouldn't pick it. And the green cup had like, I don't know. Tomato like juice. V8, V8 yeah. tomato juice. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, and he picked based on the outside of the cup, the color of the cup. And when he took a sip, he, I mean, he nearly barfed right there on the counter. <laughs> he was like, what is this? And I'm like, well, because you judged it by the outside color and you should have looked on the inside. That's when I taught him, like, I know you wouldn't pick the pink cup, but if you had judged it by the inside, you would have gotten the better tasting drink that you love. I love that story so much because, you know, you start reading something about Ikea cups. You don't think this <laughs> is necessarily <laughs> going to be an anti-racist lesson, right? right <laughs> like, right. you don't think that. And you point out in the book, like, you're under no delusions that this is going to solve racism. But- no. <laughs> it is a really great, very concrete, fun, kid-level way to get that, basically, you know, don't judge a book by its cover. Don't judge the cup by its color. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, it had, and it just so happened to go back to a conversation that he and I had had a while before that. I don't remember when, like, like that week, earlier that week, we'd had a conversation about race. And it was a hard concept for him to grasp. He was in preschool. He was young. But I saw the enlightenment when he had that cup he actually made the connection back to the conversation about race himself. And that was, that was a really eye-opening, great moment as a parent. Listeners, I know that you sometimes feel like your home is bursting with the boundless energy of your boys. Mine has been for a very long time. We want to tell you about Home Threads, where style meets the wild adventures of raising boys. At homethreads.com, you can find a collection of uh, furniture and home accessories designed to meet the needs of your growing boy family. They have everything from durable bunk beds to upscale gaming tables. You can turn your home into an attractive, durable playground, believe it or not. Uh, Janet and I both love their baking dishes. Solid, beautiful, functional. Anything you need for your home, you can likely find on homethreads.com, and we have a discount code for you. Go to homethreads.com slash onboys. You can get a code for 15% off your first order, because every leap, laugh, and loud moment deserves a space that embraces the chaos with style. Home Threads, love where you live. So much of parenting, if you can make connections with just what seems like a little stupid thing, right? Like, so you may have been having a conversation earlier about, you know, why do you always pick this cup? And it just drives me crazy. And <laughs> then something else. And then you as a parent who are in tune with your kid, who've been following these threads of conversations, 
can, I don't even want to say create moments, can seize opportunities to really tailor something in a way that that's going to work for that kid in that moment. hundred percent, a hundred percent. I mean, kids are, I mean, they're like clay. They're so malleable (laughs) and, and everything we do, you know, contributes to the way we're, we're shaping them. And I feel like I'm getting very serious right now, but it's, but it is like a serious, like we have opportunities throughout our days to teach them these things. And we don't have to do it by like giving them a lesson about it. Sometimes it's making an analogy. Mm -hmm. Well, in your whole book, your approach to parenting, you include the creative and you include the fun and you laugh. And so even a serious topic like racism and anti-racism, it doesn't have to be a, we're going to sit down and discuss racism now, children. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And actually, I don't, I don't think this is a part of the book, but actually we have like some floating shelves in our kitchen. And I think last year I started last year or two years ago, I started hanging pictures up of when Black Lives Matter was happening. And it was, and it was such a, just so prevalent in the news. I started putting up pictures of people that I thought were worth celebrating. And I would put up a picture of them on the floating shelves in the kitchen with just like four or five bullet points next to them. And the kids face those shelves in the morning while they're eating breakfast. And if they choose to talk about it, we talk about it. If they don't, then I just kind of hope that they're reading the words and eventually we talk about it. It might, it might even be like two days later. Yeah. Like sometimes the kids are like, little words. It's like, <laughs> it's like the new back of the cereal box, you know, it's to exactly eat breakfast, that. reading the back of the cereal box. And now you've got your educational corner in your kitchen. They can't That's avoid it. <laughs> That's brilliant. I feel like I should reach out to General Mills today and tell them, like, put this on the back of your cereal box because yes. we learned so much. Yes. Yeah. 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 You wrote a blog post. You have some strong opinions about the phrase, boys will be boys. Let's talk about that. Very strong opinion about that. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that, that that saying was made for one reason and one reason only. And it's to excuse bad behavior in boys. And I just think it's BS. <laughs> like, <laughs> there, there should be no excuses for bad behavior. I mean, don't get me wrong. There, there's, there are excuses for bad behavior in all children. Like children are children and they're going to push the boundaries and they're going to mess up. And it's our job to correct them. Um, and boys will be boys is a phrase that they've made um, so that boys can be wild. That boys can push people or be violent or do something against girls. Or like there's just a million things they do. And I, I would love to be able to change that phrase. I have a picture in the book of Holden Hope holding a door open for somebody and it says boys will be boys under it. And that is my dream is that when we mm. say boys will be boys, we mean they'll be gentlemen, they'll respect people. And I don't truly think that that phrase will ever be that, but, but it would be nice. It's like a little pipe dream. We can keep hoping. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. I just need to say, because this is on boys and because we're having a discussion, I disagree with you on that phrase. Okay. I I do think that has it has been co-opted often to excuse really heinous things. And I absolutely despise that. And, you know, I, I agree. Like so many of these things, no, there's, there is not an excuse and saying that or implying that because of somebody's gender, that that should be overlooked is no, sorry, not relevant. Like you did a terrible thing. You did a terrible thing, period. My take on it. And I have four boys is that I think, and maybe I'm wrong. I I didn't live in the past. I really don't know the genesis of this phrase, 
But I have noticed that, you know, boys developmentally, they are on a different track than girls and their path to maturity is different than girls. And so there are things that are very typical for six-year-old boys that most six-year-old girls aren't doing. And I, I feel like the phrase was kind of meant to remind parents of that, you know, parents and people working with boys that you cannot expect a six-year-old boy to just sit there for an hour and not want to run around and fidget. That's my take on it. it. I think I do agree that it's it's become a phrase that is so weighted with meaning all around mm-hmm. that we're just better off not using it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you could be right. I mean, I do think that there are the boys tend to be a little more wild and crazy, and and by all means, like we need to acknowledge that and, and accept that and figure out ways to handle it. The funny thing I've learned on my blog. And I've learned a lot from writing to other people. And I read so many comments. Like I'm, I also then read the comments for way too long and obsess over them. Before we go any further, yeah. make sure that our listeners know the name of your blog. And oh, can find yeah, you. sure. <laughs> Thanks. My blog is Baby Sideburns. You can find it at babysideburns.com. Although I would say that Facebook is kind of my main social media handle. It's Baby Sideburns on Facebook and on Instagram. And it's just an amazing, wonderful community of, of parents who like can talk and be open. And hopefully we don't judge each other too much. But what I was saying was every time that I say Holden's doing something, oh, he's such a boy, or he's just being crazy like a boy or whatever. I can't tell you how many comments I get from moms of daughters saying, my daughter does that. My daughter does Mm -hmm. that. My daughter does that. And I really learned that I need to put the boy and girl labels away a lot more than I do. And that's Mm -hmm. when it comes to colors, when it comes to toys. And I, and I talk about this in the book, like, I'm never going to call a toy a boy toy ever again. And I said, the only way I'm going to call it a boy toy is it's got a big old wiener sticking out of it. (laughs) (laughs) And then it's probably not appropriate for any kid to be playing. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I'm really trying to get rid of the labels of, you know, boys will be boys or a toy will be a boy toy. Or, and I know McDonald's is like trying to do that with their toys. Like, you, you're not supposed to ask for the boy you know, toy or the girl toy. But that drove anymore, me but... crazy when my kids were littler. So, you know, I, I shared with you before my oldest boys are in their low 20s already. And I went to McDonald's like a parent with kids. And suddenly they're like, do you want the boy toy or the girl toy? And I'm like, well, Ooh. that's exactly what they asked Janet. And I'm like, well, what? are the toys like mm-hmm. they asked it that way not that long ago and so yep. even if your son wanted the whatever they declared the girl toy you had to mm-hmm. say I want the girl toy yeah right I think now they're supposed to either offer the toy or the color or something like that and you still have a lot of employees saying it wrong it's very hard for a boy to say I want the girl toy like yeah, you just basically happen. told them what they want is wrong. And I feel yes. like, and that goes to so many things in life, you know, that and I goes just to don't understand their... why you can't say, do you want Elsa or do you want the car? And I think they do, most of them do now, Yeah, um, which is great. I'm sure that they've made a, a, a company-wide effort to make that happen. But Karen, the fact that this is what we're counting as progress is really know, pretty sad. Right. <laughs> it is, it is sad. Right. But I think it, I think it translates to a lot of other areas too. It's the same way. Like when I talk to my kids now, I try not to say your husband one day or your wife mm-hmm. one day. I try and say your spouse. Sometimes I mess up because at this point, my kids are getting old enough that I know what their sexual orientation probably is. It's becoming more of a moot point. But 
it's so important to like let them make their own choices and to let them know that those choices that they're making is completely acceptable, whether it's clothing choices or color choices or, or and it translates to later on to who they love. We're on boys, so we talk about boys, but really it all comes down to raising decent humans. And that's what you're talking about in your book too. We just want to raise decent people. Ultimately, I don't care what you wear. I don't care what you like to do in your spare time. As long as you treat other people with respect, we're cool. Yeah, totally. And uh, and hopefully you can get other people to respect you back that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So and it's definitely a two-way street. One of the things that Janet and I both loved about the book is like, you've got some fun lists. So uh, one of my favorite ones was 20 things to make your kids more creative. Uh-huh. And that's pretty <laughs> early in the book. And I have to say, I, I took out, I was feeling pretty good about myself. I took out a pen and I'm like, did it, did it. <laughs> this is why my house is trashed. Did it, did it. Yes. Um, share some of those ideas for our listeners. So for instance, like the first, the first thing she the tape is, one, right? let them put tape on their walls. Tape. Don't yeah. think of it as ruining the paint. Think of it as encouraging their creativity. And I totally did that because I don't care. It's their room. You want to hang mm-hmm. up pictures of snowmobiles and muskies? Great. Go for it. Yes. I mean, God help you if you try and put tape on my kitchen walls, then I'll be furious. <laughs> or a magnet on my stainless steel fridge. So boundaries are important. <laughs> yes. But yes, I, I like Zoe has tapes, posters up in her room all the time. Like she has this, oh, she has a picture of like the Greek gods, like all hung up. In her okay. Room. Which is not my choice, but I'm like, oh my gosh, who am I to argue with my daughter loving the Greek gods? The one I loved in that list was instead of bringing the iPad with you, bring some markers and paper. When your kid says, no, I want the iPad, just say something annoying like, then why don't you draw a picture of an iPad? <laughs> right, they they'll hate they hate me for that kind of stuff. It, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so but, it's that- so, but it's so important to let them to to take them. Out. I love screens. Don't get me wrong. I am a big believer in like screen time. <laughs> but um, and I and I especially because I think kids need to decompress, and that is a great way to do it. But I am a big and believer in taking the screen away, and the parents need to, need to decompress. <laughs> Amen to that. Um, but I'm a, I'm also a big believer in taking it away and and making them be creative or I should say not making, letting them be creative, like letting their brain like have to figure out what to do. When we were kids and we flew on an airplane, um, I remember I wanted to sit by the window seat and cause I could look out at the clouds and, and I could like figure out what to do with myself. Now it's like, there's a screen from the second we get on that airplane to the second we get off the airplane. And, I, and believe me, it helps me so much as a parent, but like I've taken away all that creativity, that opportunity for creativity for my child. Yeah. So. You know, you, you wrote in, in the book about that and you, you know, you're like, well, yeah, we looked out the window, we played cards, we colored, you know, these are the things that we did on an airplane when my boys were younger and they were playing sports and we'd have to go to the, these stupid all day basketball tournaments for 10 year olds. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you'd have these big chunks in between. I actually, I don't know. I grew up in that generation. Right. And uh, so I had a deck of cards that I would keep in my purse and we'd play like war or whatever between between games and this is before like ipad was super ubiquitous it was starting but it wasn't what it was but then as time went on and it became more everybody's on their screens 
guess what? The kids noticed the person who didn't have the screen. So I ended up playing like war with a lot of kids who were not my children. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. (laughs) It was it be, it was for them after like four games i'm pretty brain dead but that's okay <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i mean it's important to like i remember i used to have to drop zoe off at school earlier than holden i think she had to be dropped off by like 8:20 and he wasn't didn't start until like 8:50 so we had a half an hour to kill if i hadn't thought about it in advance we would have just sat on my phone and watched videos which is there's sure. nothing wrong with that we would have had a lot of good t- good time but i used to keep in the back of the car i kept a stack of books and a ball and like that half hour, we would often use to to play with those things and to read to each other. And he still remembers it to this day. That's and really like, cool. Yes. Yeah. And I love that. Like we'll, like we pass his old preschool all the time. He's like, oh, remember that? You know, we used to play soccer there. And so Aww. I feel like it makes more of an imprint on them in some ways. Yeah. Yeah. But you do have to plan in advance. And I know that we don't always plan in advance. (laughs) No, but sometimes like occasionally you get it right. And so you will throw the book and the ball in there. And then parents, here is where being lazy pays off. The ball is in the vehicle. It's just Mm -hmm. there. I never took it out. It's been in there for, I don't know, five years. Who cares? (laughs) Right. I guarantee you can find a lot of stuff in your car to play with. (laughs) Absolutely. If if you can actually find it. That's the I can't even find the floor in my vehicle. (laughs) There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff in the book about creativity and like teaching your kids to be creative. And and even there's a lot of ideas in there about things to do. When like one of my favorite things is the drink challenge and my kids love the drink challenge. It's like when we have nothing to do on a day, I take all the coffee mugs in the house and I fill them up with random liquids and the kids are blindfolded and they have to drink the liquids and tell me what they're drinking. It's a really fun game and they think it's hilarious because we'll have, I'll have good things like coffee creamer, which is like the sweetest thing on earth. And <laughs> yeah, and they're so excited when they got it. But then I'll always put something funny in there, like pickle juice. And they like get really furious at me. <laughs> Karen, my kids drink pickle juice on oh. purpose for enjoyment. Yeah. Like no. they do oh, get it. Gross. <laughs> they like the jar. And I have to I mean, tell them maybe uh, don't drink all of it. Like that much can't be good for you, right? I love pickles, but not pickle juice. <laughs> well, it's a thing at my house. <laughs> well, listeners, as you can tell, there are tons of ideas in this book. It's easily accessible and it's funny and Yet there's so much embedded wisdom within the humor, which is what humor usually does for us, helps us see those lessons in a different way and maybe a little more lightly because, you know, we don't need to take ourselves so seriously all the time. So Karen, tell our listeners where they can find you. Um, You can find me on Facebook or Instagram at Baby Sideburns. You can find um, my blog at babysideburns.com and you can get my new book, Mamas Don't Let Your Babies Grow Up to Be A-Holes. You can get it at um, pretty much anywhere books are sold. So anywhere from Amazon to um, to Barnes and Noble. And I think I think you'll really enjoy it. It's just, it is what you were saying. It's, it's lighthearted. It's, it has some curse words in it because that's what goes on in mom's head. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and it's just, it's, it's a non-judgmental way that I feel like parents yes. can can treat each other and the way we're, we're all doing a good job we're going with our gut and we're all doing a good job in the end before we let you go you have to explain baby sideburns why 
<laughs> and it wasn't that originally. Originally, it was Mommyhood Unplugged, which is so forgettable because I even forget it a lot. I started it 11 years ago. And right before when Holden was in my belly and I was going in for the sonogram, I'm a really hairy person. I mean, this is a podcast so you guys can't see. And actually, I've, I've done enough to take care of it so I don't look like Chewbacca anymore. But, um, <laughs> she doesn't, you guys. We have her on video. She doesn't look at all like Chewbacca. But if I let things go, I would. <laughs> I feel like a handlebar mustache, you know, uh. <laughs> goatee. <laughs> so I, um, I was getting the sonogram of Holden and I was like, oh gosh, I hope my baby doesn't have sideburns. And I had a friend in the neighborhood who said to me, you should change your name to baby sideburns. I don't know what she was thinking. I don't know what I was thinking, but I went home that night and I changed it. And I'm glad I did. It's like, it's really a random name, but I think it's pretty, mem- pretty memorable. Pretty memorable. The visual yeah. I get on that, Karen, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Although it's funny, like there was a, like Gmail already had, somebody had already taken baby sideburns. So I'm not the only one. <laughs> oh. Oh, so weird. <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing your, your levity with us, your humor and your wise, your, your just, your wisdom from many years of parenting and we're with you we hope your children do not grow up to be a-holes i don't think they're going to i hope they all don't like we're raising this like new amazing generation thanks for being part of on boys global community we love you